Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 10th episode of the Casa Bazan podcast. I'm so deeply honored to celebrate the 10th episode. It feels quite symbolic for some reason. Um, it's actually unbelievable that we're already at the 10th episode. It feels like time is really flying by. Um, if you're new here, welcome, welcome, welcome. If you're familiar with these episodes, then welcome back again. Today, the topic of discussion, the topic of the monologue is union, unity. It's a subject that can be approached through different angles. Specifically, the relationship angle, but also the unity within all of us, within the collective, within the collective reality that we're co-creating together and what it means to truly come in union, what it means to truly come in unity, what it means to be truly in harmony. What it makes me think of and what it makes me feel is an orchestra of musicians, of different instruments, different voices, a choir, where everyone knows their place, where everyone honors the rhythm, where everyone respects the silence. I don't know if any of you guys have actually been to see an orchestra play. Everything is so meticulously and precisely orchestrated. Each instrument knows exactly what it's doing. It respects the moments of breath. It celebrates when a specific instrument, a violin or a bass comes in. Maybe the violin has a solo. Maybe there's an opera singer that is singing and telling a story and all of that just merges together to bring forth a blissful experience for the audience, a story a narrative that we feel throughout our whole body. You know, that feeling when you're listening to really, really good music and you feel shivers throughout your whole entire body. To me, this is a great symbol for harmony within a collective. Because let's be honest, we're all pretty different beings. We're all human. If you're listening to this, you're very probably human. <laughs> We're all aliens of some sorts, you know. However, to be able to listen to this podcast, you need two ears and <laughs> and you need a computer, so you're a human being. But anyway. <laughs> um, we're quite an eclectic bunch. It's impossible to label us. It's impossible to put us in boxes. The more boxes we create for ourselves, the more humanity tries to break out of them. Of course, it's useful to label things. It's useful for different reasons. Organization, administration, planning, and all such. However, we are so deeply... Mm, eclectic and different and full of colors and flavors and different sounds. Each person is its own instrument. And so when we talk about union, 
let's first talk about it by going deeper into each individual. So you might have heard about inner union, the inner marriage. It's actually one of the principles of alchemy, inner alchemy. And this is this has to do with bringing both polarities within the body into a coherence, into balance, into equilibrium. So the left side of your body is considered to be the moon, the feminine aspects of your of your epigenetics. So if you have, for example, uh, certain issues, on the left side of your body, it's usually linked to the, line- to the lineage of your mother. Now, the right side of your body is the sun. It's the solar energy. And this has to do with your male, with generally the, the lineage of your father. This can be really interesting for each person to study because it can show a lot. It, it really, mm, it's almost like drawing the map of your system. When you understand your generational information, what your parents went through, what your grandparents went through, it really draws the story of your body. Because while you were conceived in the womb, the the genetics of both your mother and father's lineage got mixed together in this beautiful combination that resulted in you. So the more you understand your family's ancestry and story and and the different narratives that played themselves out, the more you can actually understand your system and the map that is your body. And that can give you a lot of tools and a lot of keys in regards to what you're working with. And it can really enlighten you when it comes to that inner marriage, that inner union. A lot of us are looking for an external relationship, an external being that is going to satisfy us, make us feel worthy, make us feel validated, make us feel seen and held. But truly... The real marriage happens inside first and then it materializes in the external reality, not just through a romantic partnership, but also through professional connections, friendships. Friendships are just as important as, you know, the romances that we have in our lives. Sisterhood, brotherhood is one of the key components to living a plenty nurturing, fulfilling lifetime. To have friends that you can count on, that you can share really deep and profound things with, that you can be fully yourself with, that are your perfect reflections, that are your clear mirrors, people that are going to be bluntly honest with you, people that are going to be always benevolent towards you, caring, I believe that our friends are like the family that we choose. And so in that sense, we manifest them inside of ourselves first. And then they appear in our outer reality. It has its own miraculous and very intricate way of working. 
And when it comes to romantic relationships, while we so often search outside for the perfect match, the perfect soulmate, talking about twin flames and all of that, I personally don't necessarily believe in that. Actually, I have a friend who gifted me for my birthday a book about twin flames. <laughs> and I was like, girl, you really want me to find someone. <laughs> um, and I started reading the book. And basically what it said is that twin flames, the origin of the twin flame concept, is basically a soul that has been divided into two beings two beings and so when they meet each other they complete each other and I just really didn't resonate with that concept because first of all each one of us we are a fractal of the whole we are one within oneness and oneness within one it's uh it's like this analogy that you can see a whole universe in a grain of sand that everything we see around ourselves is fractal reality. Everything is a microcosm of the, of the macrocosm. It's infinite. And so to say that a soul has been fragmented into halves, that your purpose is to find the other half of your soul... I think it's very neo-romantic and quite gothic, to be totally honest. I don't find it really healthy as a concept, and a lot I know that a lot of people are buying into it. However, I think that it's a tremplin to really, really intense, painful bonds. It might be karmic relationships. It might be relationships that make you feel really profound things from the get-go. I think most of us have experienced meeting someone for the first time and feeling like we know this person. There's this sense of familiarity. There's this sense of almost like we've known them before. Um, You instantly feel butterflies in your stomach and you're like, oh my goodness, is this love? The truth is we're all interconnected in love. It's just that there are certain people for whom we feel a physical, a physical appeal. It's like we wanna, we wanna, we wanna be in a sensual relationship with these people. But eventually, we are all connected by love. We're all, we're all linked. We we're all in a relationship simply by the fact that we are sharing a reality together that we are sharing space together that we are all incarnated at the same time currently on the earth and it's very interesting to zoom out a little bit and to just think for a second what kind of music are we all playing together what kind of climate are we generating together and I say that really consciously because I was at a dinner yesterday and we were, I would say we were about 15. It was a dinner for entrepreneurs. Um, it was very interesting to listen to everyone's stories, but the truth is most of them, most of the people were 
talking about their burnout experience, talking about how tired they were. And that really made me think that there are so many people who experience burnouts and that we wonder, <laughs> we wonder why there is such a climate crisis. First of all, we should address the climate inside ourselves because there are so many people that are in the red. They're burning, they're exhausted, they're tired. It's this rhythm, this hamster, we this hamster wheel rhythm, um, this capitalistic system of consumption that is very unbalanced and unhealthy because we're not respecting the rhythm of the earth, which has its own cycles of regeneration, which has its own cycles of rest and These are just as important as the cycles of productivity and efficiency. So coming back to the unity within ourselves, how can we address the climate if we can't address our own inner climate? And this has to do with the balancing of our polarities. Robert Edward Grant, who's a mathematician that I follow on Instagram and admire quite a lot. He's a really great scientist. Um, he does uh, excursions in Egypt, analyzing the math mathematical uh, mysteries of the pyramids. He's just such a fascinating being. And his Instagram account is quite fabulous. I really recommend you guys to check it out. But he was saying that um, even from a scientific mathematical point of view, the real mystery, the real um, key to enlightenment is the inner marriage. And that is represented in Egyptian mythology as the ank of life. It's, uh, it's a symbol for eternal regeneration. It's a key. It's a key of understanding who we truly are as people who emit energy we receive and emit energy and so when you come into equilibrium into balance within yourself you become quite honestly you become a superhuman you become a version of yourself that stands in a deep 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 integrity So what does that mean? My understanding of the feminine polarity, the moon, which we all have, doesn't matter what gender you identify with or not, because we're not here to put labels on anything or anyone. We all carry a feminine polarity, okay? The feminine polarity, which has to do with the moon, the moon which rules the tides, and we are water bodies, we're made of water mostly, so the moon has a tremendous impact on our system. Our feminine is very much about presence. It's the zero, the zero which represents the womb. It represents the receptivity. It's the gateway. It receives. It's the ability to receive. It's the ability to be present. 
to be open. In terms of energy, it's much more passive. It listens. It observes. It nurtures by the act of of simply being, simply observing, simply listening, tuning in. Now the masculine, the sun, it's a vector. It's like the arrow. It's the goal. It's the intention. It's the attention. It's the focus. The sun grows the fruits. It brings them up vertically. It's the active principle. It's the principle that goes out there and that transforms the idea into a manifested reality through inspired action. Now, if we observe what's currently happening, the truth is we are much more in the masculine. All of us. We've been avoiding our own silence because we were scared of what's in that silence. We have developed a way of constantly running on that hamster wheel, (laughs) mostly for productivity reasons, mostly for financial reasons, mostly for survival reasons, mostly because we fear that if we don't run on the hamster wheel, we won't get to anything. However, and a lot of genius artists, creators, entrepreneurs know that it is through deeper presence, through deeper contemplation, through deeper introspection, that true gems arise. So we shift from an anxiety-filled action to an inspired action. We shift from a paradigm where it's all about effort, it's all about force, into a paradigm which has everything to do with peace, with effortlessness, with flow. And that is the higher state of the human experience. Divine flow, surfing the waves. There's a really fabulous book by David Hawkins, which is called Power Versus Force. David Hawkins has studied kinesiology for years uh, and has developed a method where he does muscle testing. Um, and it's a way, it's almost like a lie detector. Um, so it's also used as a way to measure the, the frequency of a statement or of an object. It's quite a complex method. Um, but in principle, it's quite simple. <laughs> uh, so different people are being shown different photos or or they play them certain music or they um 
they show them scenes from movies and they test their muscle reaction. Um, and there's a scale from weak to strong and that determines the body's reaction to certain things. And they have been noticing that everyone reacts weak to force. When you force something, when an action is forced, when you watch the movie of a scene, the, the scene in a movie where the actor, you can tell that there's just something that's not genuine, it's not authentically played. Um, you, can, you can feel the forceful energy. The muscles are testing weak. There's such a huge difference between force and power. Power is all about presence. It's not about being too much or doing too much. It's not about effort. It's about radiating this light, this confidence, this trust, this faith, this belief. And obviously, when they were showing really powerful music or certain pictures that evoke a grand sense of power, people were, people's bodies were reacting in a very, very positive way. And so they determined a, a frequency scale um, based on their testings. Um, it's such a great book to understand the subtle difference between power and force. When you come into this inner marriage within yourself, and it's a lifetime process, you know, it's not just something that happens overnight. But when you work on it consistently, you start to see the results. You start to see that you can carry a speech or do a presentation or do a show if you're an artist or do a... I don't know, hold a really great monologue <laughs> for your podcast <laughs> um, without any effort. Just by being, just through deep presence. And that's the best thing that you can do. The more you force, the more you push yourself, the more you exhaust yourself, and the more you go into your energetic resources... And so you're basically depleting yourself. And that's the direct path to burning out. And that's what most of us have been doing so far. We have been using our energy resources instead of allowing ourselves the time to regenerate and to simply occupy space throughout an inherent knowledge of our power. Truthfully, when I meet people, oftentimes, I notice how poorly we think of ourselves. And I really say we because it still happens to me as well. Yesterday at that dinner that I mentioned to you guys, there were so many incredible people, beautiful, ambitious women, and a lot of a lot of them were in the beauty and fashion industry. Um, 
a lot of people too were specifically working in the wellness industry, which has everything to do with mental health, um, sustainability, with you know just fig- figuring out ways to to launch businesses that are conscious that support people in finding more balance in their life. And as we were talking, they were sharing some client experiences, um, how so many people are just, they don't love themselves. They constantly judge themselves. They constantly compare themselves to others. And oh goodness, I get that. I really get that. You know, I think we've all been through that. And I think it doesn't matter how you actually look because <laughs> I've met some some of the most beautiful models in the world that we typically all consider as traditionally classically gorgeous. But a lot of them they don't they're they don't necessarily <laughs> They don't necessarily think that way. You know, they have their their own stories. It has nothing to do with the way you actually look. It has everything to do with the way you feel about yourself. Trust me. And this can be really hard to admit, you know, because we find so many reasons to, to put ourselves in the position of victim. I've also realized that there's something that happens when you speak badly about yourself, where you hope for someone to be, to be like, oh, my dear, no, no, but you look great, you're beautiful. It's almost like a way of putting ourselves down so that others can bring us back up, so that we can receive the comfort and the reassurance from others. But if we really look deeper into that, Isn't that somewhat of a victim mentality? And I know it's not pleasant to look at it. I know it's really, really uncomfortable to look at it because we all do it. I myself sometimes wake up in the morning and upon waking up, I have a very dark mood, you know, depending on the dreams I've had that night. And I start to feel bad about myself. You know, I look at my face and I have acne or whatever. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I look so different from my photos. You know, if someone saw me the way that I look right now, like waking up in the morning, they would be so disappointed because it's like I'm a cheaper version of myself in reality. And that's such a terrible way of talking about myself. And then I started catching myself, you know, I started to catch myself when I hear myself think that. I'm like, no. No. (laughs) With a lot of authority. And I had to learn to do that. And I still, uh, you know, sometimes it takes me a little second before I actually put a stop to it. The, The rambling, the victim rambling can can go on for a little bit before I radically end it. And you need to be radical because there's a part of you that wants to listen to that. I've realized there's a part of me that not only listens to it, but that actually feeds it. Because then I'm like, oh yeah, my body. And then I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, Coco, like, calm, 
let, let's get back into reality here. You're good. You're fine. You're great. You're enough. And that's enough. Stop talking so badly about yourself. Stop comparing yourself to other. Stop. You cannot think and speak about yourself that way. You have a body. You have legs to dance with, arms to cook with, beautiful mind. And so what? A few blemishes. So what? Who cares? It's not the end of the world. We have this tendency to really exaggerate certain things about ourselves and turn them into these monsters. And this is my own personal experience, but I know so many people, men and women and whatever gender, it doesn't matter, but like just people in general, like humans who find a hundred million reasons to hate themselves, but who still have really high hopes and ambitions. But the truth is you cannot get yourself to that place where you want to be by hating yourself to it. This is not the road. This is a road that is going to make you miserable. So while we search for a twin flame, a soulmate, to make us feel better about ourselves, to remind us that we are beautiful, even in moments where we think we're so ugly or whatever, You won't even believe that person when they share these words with you. They might comfort you these words for a few seconds. But eventually what matters is what you think about yourself, what you believe about yourself. Because it's even deeper than just thoughts. It needs to be a deep truth, a deep belief that you know no matter what, you are beautiful. You are perfect. Have you noticed how many people say, Oh, but I'm not perfect. But, but the truth is you are. Perfection is completely subjective. It's not just about the appearance. You are perfect. And I've already said that before, but I'll, but I'll repeat it because I think it's just so important. You are perfect. Not just as a result, but as that which a result can occur through. You are a creator. No matter what your job is, you are an artist. Your presence is art. Turn your life into art. You are the main character in your movie. So that validation that we seek outside of ourselves, it's time to work on it inside and to catch ourselves before we go into destructive rants. Become your own best ally. Marry yourself first before looking for the perfect partner. Find it inside of yourself first. And that way, you'll be able to be so much more transparent, so much more crystal clear, when someone really special 
happens to come into your life because it will happen eventually. Faith is everything. Faith is the ability, no matter the circumstances, because circumstances change all the time. It's the the ability to maintain a deep level of belief. If you're a runner and you want to get to that finish line, you're running a marathon, it's intense, you're tired. It's all about your emotional, mental, spiritual state of mind. If you don't have faith, if you don't believe in yourself, you're not going to be able to run those last couple of, of kilometers or meters or whatever. What gets you eventually to and through the finish line is your faith, your belief that you can do it, that you have exactly what it takes. It's the same if you're in any other industry, actually. What makes the difference is your faith. It's your belief. That's the little magic spice that you put in your soup and your little magical mixture that truly, genuinely (laughs) makes the whole difference. Can you imagine a world where we would all genuinely, genuinely, not in an egotistical, weird way, just very, very genuinely, authentically love ourselves, valuing our bodies, celebrating ourselves, wanting to put really healthy foods in our bellies, wanting to be really careful about the words we used, about the things we say about ourselves, about the things we say about others. Can you imagine, just imagine it for a second, a whole new reality appears. It's a whole new game. It's a whole new movie. I want to know that what that movie goes like. I want to see that. I've had enough drama. I think we all know what drama is like. It's fun for a while, but then comes a time it's not so fun anymore. It's kind of boring because it's always the same thing, repeating itself on and on and on. Imagine relationships, human relationships, friendships, romantic relationships, professional relationships that are based on soul, on integrity, on respect. That's a whole other level of co-creation, you guys. This is unity. That's how people come into unity. You know, in an orchestra, all the instruments, they need to tune themselves to each other. Before the show begins, all the instruments are are harmonizing. They're attuning themselves to each other. Each instrument needs to tune its chords, calibrate its chords. So you need to tend 
to your instrument first, your body, your system, your map, based on your story, based on what your family went through, based on your epigenetics, based on who you are, your ancestry. Understand who you are. Get to know yourself deeper, better. We live in a time where there are so many modalities for you to get to know yourself deeper. And of course, relationships are some fabulous, fabulous ways to get to know ourselves better. However, if you don't work on yourself, you will keep repeating the same patterns on and on and on. And there comes a time where life very clearly asks you, Do you want to repeat this cycle again? Or have you learned the lesson and now we can move on to a completely up-leveled experience of your reality? And through your actions, (laughs) you will demonstrate whether you've passed the test or not. If you haven't, you will repeat the lesson. (laughs) You can't force it. You can't fake it. You can't cheat on that test. You can't cheat on life. Okay? (laughs) So, it's much better to do some prevention. To really go into... (laughs) Into your story. To understand all the different intricacies of who you are and to work on that union within yourself to bring your presence and your action into perfect symbiosis to bring your passive and active polarities into a perfect equilibrium From that state, deep, deep, deep regeneration occurs. And imagine, it's like walking on a very, very, very thin thread suspended in the air. A little bit too much on the left and you're falling. A little bit too much on your right and you're falling again. It's about constantly staying in that middle Thread, which is very, very subtle. It requires a constant awareness. But that is the very experience. That's the whole fun of it. You are a dancer. How glorious. Your job is to simply be aware Whether you're present, right now, right now as you're listening to this. Are you present? Do you recognize that these words, they are you. It's you sending this message to yourself. Because we are one. And the silence is important as well. 
That's why I pause between the words so that the information can be integrated. It's not just about consuming the words like fast food. Om nom 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 nom. Let me listen to that podcast and that video and that song while I'm doing this thing. And you're not even you're not even hearing what is being shared. What's the nutritional value of your presence? Presence is receptive. How much are you allowing yourself to receive in this moment? Because there are some deep codes that are being shared here. Are you in a receptive mode? And is it balanced with at the same time the offering, the masculine principle, the giving? Eventually, what's absolutely marvelous and fabulous is that the more receptive you are, the more you allow yourself to receive the more you're absorbing all the goods, all the good nutrients, it's feeding you so deeply. The more you become infused with all these goods and you become this, this element that's walking around and that's naturally diffusing all of those codes, all of these flavors. You don't need to force it. It becomes effortless action because you embody it through presence. You become a natural embodiment. And so your action, the action that follows, is so genuine, is so authentic, full of power, not force. It's effortless. You are in flow. A way to tune into that is by following your breath. When you do meditation and you are a beginner, let's say, at meditating and you have a hard time concentrating because your mind is constantly running on the hamster wheel, come back to your breath. Just follow your breath. You can think of two things at the same time. So just think about your breath. Just focus on your breath. And every single time that your thoughts are trying to wander, just know that the most productive and efficient thing that you can do right now is just to focus on your breath. Because your breath is literally the most important element creating your reality. When you are in a state of anxiety, you literally stop breathing. When you are in a state of deep excitement, you breathe really fast. And when you have an orgasm, you breathe super deeply. And these are all states that occur through and by the breath. So by changing your breath, by going deeper into 
understanding your breath, you can change your state. Not only your state of mind, but your body. You can change your body by working with your breath. You can put yourself in altered state of consciousness simply and solely through the power of your breath. It takes focus, but in all honesty, it's really not that hard. You just need to dedicate yourself for 30 minutes or so and really, I don't know, just put a timer, put your phone on airplane mode and really commit yourself to this practice because I really believe it changed, It can change a life. It changed my life. It changed the life of so many people. It allows you to transition from the monkey mind, which has its role, it has its job, it has its thing to do, there's nothing wrong with it. But it allows you to access such a, such a profound level of enlightenment It allows you to access your super mind, your higher consciousness, your genius. It gives you the keys to your genius. So when you're sitting in practice and you're observing your breath, the way to bring yourself into unity, the way of marrying yourself inside of yourself is to really follow your in-breath, your inhale, and your exhale. And noticing whether your inhale is shorter or longer than your exhale. And that it, that's going to show you whether you're more of a giver or a receiver. And so what you're going to do is you're really going to balance both of them out. So that the length of your exhale is just as proportionally long or short as your exhale. So your inhale and your exhale, they they represent your ability to receive and to give back, to receive and to give back, to receive and to give back. Very much like a tree. The tree receives the oxygen from the air around then the leaves are purifying that oxygen and it diffuses it back into the atmosphere. We say that the trees are very much like the lungs of our ecosystem. And so you are the lungs of the the earth ecosystem. (laughs) We're part of the ecosystem, guys. So by working on your breath, you're actually really providing for a huge service to all of us because you're changing the climate within yourself. You'll see if you are in a state of panic, you're in the red zone, you're having an anxiety attack. If you sit with your breath for 15 minutes and you commit yourself to only and solely focusing on your breath for 15 minutes no matter what is going on in your life no matter the urgency the best thing you can do 
to bring yourself into a state of calmness, of peace, of osmosis, is to just follow your breath gently and observe your inhale and your exhale. There are different practices. For example, for some people, it's really, really, really hard to receive. It might sound like it's super fun to receive, you know, gifts or kind words or compliments. But actually many people are so used throughout their family stories, family lineages, they've been shamed into feeling bad every single time that they receive something. They feel bad. They feel like they owe something to someone. Can you guys relate to this? <laughs> you know, when you want to gift something to someone or when you want to pay the bill at a restaurant and your friend is like, oh, no, 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 no. I cannot accept this. Nope, no. Nope. And they literally will, will not let you. And you know that it's not just out of humility. It's that genuinely they would feel bad if you did this. They generally cannot accept. They have such a hard time receiving. And it's not just about the gesture. It's not just about the gift or the bill. It's also about love. Some people are, they've been hurt to a point or educated in a way that receiving love or affection or kindness is so unusual or it's so weird that they simply don't let it in. They don't accept it. And a lot of the older generations have been like that. A lot of our grandmothers are like that because of what they've experienced during wars. Um, it's harder for them to receive And of course, there are people who, instead of receiving, let's say, they grab, they take. <laughs> they don't wait until someone offers. They just go and get it. They just grab it. <laughs> That's another side of the wounded feminine, the wounded receptacle. <laughs> now... This can be balanced by the breath. Just by working on your breath. It's so simple and yet it's so precise. And it is so subtle. You don't need a teacher to begin. It's good to have a teacher later on, a guide, someone who can support you in your process. Someone who can be a mirror for you. Someone who can hold you accountable, that's really good as well. But you can start it yourself. And then when the student is ready, the master appears. When the student is really ready, the master disappears. The student then becomes the master. But eventually, the student and the master are one. They have always been one. Because the master is always a student of life. And then the masculine, the one who's actually giving, who's sharing. It's the exhale. It's 
How much are you sharing? Are you oversharing? You might be oversharing. A lot of people, they don't know when to stop. We're being told today to be really transparent about everything, to communicate. We're all talking about transparent communication, and that's great. There's a big difference between being transparent and oversharing. Things that are of no one's business. <laughs> Even when you're in a romantic relationship, everyone has their own garden. Yes, be transparent, but don't share everything. And that does not even mean that you're keeping any secrets. It's just having respect for your own intimacy while it's also sharing intimacy with other people. So what's the quality of your sharing? What's the nutritional value of your sharing? Are you just sharing to fill in the void? To fill the silence? Silence also carries messages. You know, we all have that vision of the couple at the restaurant and they're just sitting and they're having their meal and they're not necessarily talking, but sometimes they, they look at each other's eyes and there's something so deep that's happening. They're on the same wavelength. They don't necessarily need to talk all the time, especially when they're chewing. <laughs> and then there's the younger couple right next to the same table, the right next to their table and they're chatting and they're like chit-chatting gossiping <laughs> and it's like they might be judging that couple who's not talking because they don't know what it's like to appreciate the depth of the silence the depth of of the communication that can happen without words simply through presence simply through looking deeply into each other's eyes with intent. And then when you speak, it has a lot of value because you choose your words with precision. You know, not being overly analytical about everything, everything you say, like planning, what's the next super intelligent sentence that I could say? It's not like that. It's more just like speaking when there's really something you'd like to share but not trying, to not trying to fill the blanks, not trying to fill in the silence just to fill the silence because the silence makes you feel uncomfortable. Because that's the truth of it. Like we feel uncomfortable when there's silence. And that's really what we should maybe look into. Why, why are we afraid of that silence actually? Well, what's so scary about it? And you can actually think about it while you're breathing and feel how that silence is actually regenerating you. It's giving you a breather. It's creating tempo. You know, and in, in music when you have a breath, when you have a moment of pause, it, it really creates a rhythmic pattern that creates a lot of coherence in between the chorus and the verse and the bridge. 
it allows for the song to flow. And so it's so important to respect that. And to not try to fill in that, that, that blank space. Just leave it as it is. Effortlessly. Once again, power versus force. <sighs> to me, when we step into that union within ourselves where we make peace with those energies within ourselves, the passive and the active. We really step into integrity. We really step into health. That's a healthy person. That's a balanced person. That's a person that you can trust. That's a person that is whole, wholesome. They know when to listen. They know when to share. And once again, it's such a subtle dance. It's a dance that requires your commitment. But isn't that the root of any successful relationship? A, re a relationship which bears fruit. A tree which grows fruit. Commitment, commitment, focus, resilience, courage, faith. You need all of those elements. Commitment to yourself first, and then the rest will flow. It will. And so, as I'm sharing all of this with you guys, You might think, well, you know, I currently in my life am single by choice. I really needed a time in my life to do this work. You know, I'm committed to this work. Yes, I have days where it's a bit harder to sit with the breath and my mind is wandering off in a hundred million places. So I'm very ambitious, you know, like there's a lot of things I want to do in my day. And I can get carried off and find a hundred million excuses to say how busy I am. My phone, my phone can be constantly ringing, you know, I'm putting boundaries and I'm saying no because I'm committed to my practice and I have priorities. And I know that when I work on these aspects, the rest flows and then when you feel ready to welcome a partner in your life you don't even need to think about it you don't even need to plan a, you don't need to plan it it just it happens in a very effortless and natural way and it's no longer a cure it's no longer a remedy for your solitude Because you're so safe and comfortable in silence. You're so safe and comfortable in your own presence. You're already satisfied. You're already your own best love. That anything that comes 
is just a miracle and a huge gift of life, of you to you. But you're no longer dependent on those external factors. And so you can actually build a union, a relationship with someone that is based on integrity, on co-creation instead of codependence. There's a huge difference. The difference is when you are in a codependent relationship with someone, your partner becomes your source of energy. That's what vampirism is. That's what vampires are, energetical vampires. People who feed off of your attention, they need your attention to feel good. They need your attention to feel validated. And if they don't have it, they become almost like drug addicts. They, it's their drug. They need it. So they can become quite aggressive in order to get your attention. If they don't get your attention in a nice way, they can do something really crude in order to get your attention back. Attention is attention, no matter if it's good or bad. It's still feeding the beast. <laughs> it's still an energetical transaction. But once you are ready to get out of that, once you notice the pattern and you decide and commit to not repeating this lesson again, because you understood the lesson, you understood the experience, you understood the principles that created this experience, this situation, this relationship. You start to put boundaries. You start to realize that you are your own source of energy. That does not mean living in isolation because you can satisfy your own needs. No, because you're part of an ecosystem. But in an ecosystem where each individual, each being, is its own self-sufficient operational system, self-regenerating. Imagine just the beauty of the coming together. Imagine the beauty of the unity, the union, the orchestra. Where not a single player, not a single instrument is trying to get more attention than the other one. Where not a single instrument is cutting another one off. Where everything is in balance and in harmony. So it requires presence, inspired action, commitment, all things which on paper can seem, it can seem like a lot, but it's not that hard. It really is not that hard. Let's not put all, all of this on a pedestal and think about, oh my gosh, there's so much work to do. Now I need to sit with my breath. I need to go and analyze my whole family tree and what happened to my grandmother and what she experienced during war. No. 
that's good. You can do that work too. It's going to be helpful. Get to know yourself better. It can only be positive and beneficial for your growth. But eventually, it's all happening now. It's whether you want to make that decision now and commit to it. That's it. That's all you have to do. Your focus and commitment and decision now can change the rest of your life. What you choose now can change the rest of your life. You can literally break a toxic pattern now and enter into a much deeper, much profound level of inner unity. A unity which not only connects you to the truth the integrity of who you really are in your essence, in your truth, in the respect that you have towards yourself, cutting through the crap that you tell yourself, the judgments, the critics, the victim mentality that is not serving you. It's not. You think it might be serving you because you're getting a little bit of self-validating support from your friends who want to support you, but that's not the source of your power. The source of your power is your faith, is your belief in yourself. And eventually that brings you into an even deeper unity with the collective. Because we need you. We need each and every one of us to have these foundations solid so that we can stand together and be deeply rooted and grounded into the earth and and grow trees, grow fruits, be, be trees that grow beautiful fruits. <laughs> that, that's what I was trying to say. We can only be of great service to one another when we are in integrity and when we are authentic and genuine. Because when we are forceful, we can just feel it. It's not, it's not pleasant. We are very smart beings beyond the mind, beyond just the intellectual capacities, capabilities. Mm. Our body, our body tests weak when we are being exposed to forceful actions bringing back to that study made by David Hawkins. So, you know, our body is the direct proof of it. We have physical reactions when we notice a forceful, a forceful situation, something that just does not feel genuine. So, First of all, working on the unity within self to then manifest a level of unity amongst all of us, the microcosm and the macrocosm. That was a very profound conversation, um, which feels very accurate for the current times we're going through, where unity just takes a whole other meaning and it becomes essential for us to work on it coming back to the essence the breath the source of your power just focus on your breath follow your breath 
dance the dance of life and enjoy being alive. Enjoy being. Enjoy being. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Thank you for being here and for supporting this podcast. As always, I hope that what has been shared with you today serves you well on your journey. We are all in this together, dancing the dance of life. May you follow your breath with a delicious focus and may you commit yourself to yourself, to your own best and highest good. And I will see you next Tuesday for the next episode as always with deep gratitude and with my sincerest blessings.